0: friends welcome to brainstorm this is a podcast about the wilderness of art making so trash your erasers and get ready guys i'm Karo casal i'm a painter slash illustrator monster enthusiast and a caffeine fiend
1: and i am garrett Lie. i'm a comic artist illustrator bi con and i am morally against wash rags
0: <laughs> what did they do to you
1: what <laughs> i don't not think they're sanitary they it is horrifying you use it once and it's wet you leave it to dry it grows mildew and then you put it back on your body mm. and then you keep doing it and it's in the shower it's like in your sink hide <laughs> run and hide they're coming for us
0: so so you hate the earth is what you're saying
1: um i just i it's just not sanitary it's just not we I am okay. It's wasteful, but I do recycle my paper towel. so I am team paper towel.
0: Woo! You clean yourself with paper towels in the shower? <laughs> what is
1: no, going no, 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 on no, no, no. Okay, I guess in the kitchen. I but feel like we're talking no. about
0: two different
1: things. Yeah, wash. Okay, wash rags because they can also be used in the kitchen. But a wash rag on, not on your body. I just use my hands. Like we just use a bar of soap direct bar to skin contact
0: bar to skin i use a loofah
1: okay loofahs are perfectly tolerable because they dry and don't like grow mildew and you can like wash them but with a wash rag it is just so much worse
0: i like how you keep saying rag instead of washcloth because rag i'm just picturing like You're like an 1800s orphan yes. working in the coal mines, and you're just like, Please, sir, a half penny. I'm so hungry. <laughs> well, that's how oh they my look. What is
1: this wash rag? That's how they look after they've been used. <laughs> they look, they, they look, it's like the cloth becomes a rag after one use. Mm. That's okay. my stance. That's my stance. This is-
0: all right, this, yeah. is, this is a fair point.
1: But this is, this is not what we're talking about today. <laughs> Hi, This is a podcast about art, and today we will be discussing wash rag. No. and
0: only wash rags.
1: <laughs> we are going to be talking about how you are the chosen one. Da-da-da-da. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask you if you knew that artists are celestially chosen beings. If you uh, didn't know that, well, guess what? They're not. Um, <laughs> in this episode, we're going to talk about the issue with the word talent and how anyone can begin the path into art making, no matter who you are. So and without- how old you are. Yes, that's true. That's true. You, You old grease monkey. <laughs> yes.
0: Old, young, anybody can start there's no age limit on art making.
1: Heck no. So that being said, I wanted to start with a great quote that I read the other day from my boss, Tanmaya Bingham. And she said that art is a series of, I don't like her use of the word good here. She says, art is a series of good decisions executed through discipline and driven by passion. So I prefer the notion that art is a series of decisions executed through discipline and driven by passion, just because I think that in art making, we have to let go of judgment. But nevertheless, I think it's a great quote.
0: Yeah, I think good is a loaded term. Yes. Because good comes with our expectation. You know, we have an expectation of what's good versus bad. And when we hold ourselves to those expectations, we... Limit ourselves from growing because we're so obsessed with living up to the image in our head
1: and being good, quote unquote. Right? Yeah, get good. <laughs> <laughs> get good, son. Yes, get exactly. Good. So, yeah, I really think that. I mean, that's just how I want to kick off the the episode in terms of, you know, art is just a series of decisions. And discipline and passion are two things that are the most involved in terms of honing your skill. It's not always something that you are born with, and art as a practice is something that is meant to make you feel better, and anyone can do that without it being quote-unquote good. Anything that you make can be considered art, and... I think that you should move forward with that ideology rather than one where you're expecting yourself to be Picasso on your first goddamn try.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I feel like the benefits of art making are just so great. And the, f- mm-hmm. the fact that people limit themselves and close themselves off from these benefits is really sad because they feel they're not quote unquote good. Yes. You know, like art can be extremely therapeutic. great way to unwind after work or a great way to express emotions when maybe you don't feel comfortable like verbally expressing them
1: yes Um, that's so true it's a great escape from whatever reality you're in if you're you know working through something can't find the uh, cojones to tell someone (laughs) something and you just have to like get it out in your art it's it's just a, a great way to, you know, level out any extraneous thoughts that are weighing you down.
0: Yeah. And you don't have to be good, quote unquote, to do that.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Anyone yeah. can make art.
1: Yes. A hundred percent. Anyone. Anyone.
0: Anybody.
1: <laughs> yes. And so, yeah, we just want to kind of pump the passion and just the... Kind of moxie in you that any anything related to judgment is only going to hold you back when jumping into art, um, and I have seen this happen firsthand. But before I go into that, I know that Caro has a really great example of a study that happened in
0: 1998.
1: The year is 1998. <laughs> <laughs> 1998.
0: And two all the rage. No, just <laughs> <laughs> Back when blue uh eyeshadow and... Uh, and fucking...
1: blue dabba dee was top of the chart.
0: Uh, and <laughs> Jen- <laughs> Jenko jeans were a thing. Picture oh, that. Lord. 1998. Two researchers at Columbia University named Claudia Mueller and Carol Dweck published some very, very interesting findings. So basically, they conducted six studies of 412 fifth graders ages 10 through 12 and compared what happened when they praised them for being smart versus being hardworking. So essentially, they issued one test that was mildly difficult, and no matter what score these two groups got on their tests, they said that one group got high scores because they were smart, and the other group got high scores because they were hardworking. Then they issued a harder test. Kids who were told they were smart had more setbacks and disliked taking the test, had more anxiety. When they were allowed to choose an assignment, they picked the ones that they knew they would do well on. They were also more preoccupied with how others did on the test. Meanwhile, kids told they were hardworking, so test as a learning opportunity. Later, they chose assignments they thought were interesting or could learn things from. All right, so literally, what the fuck happened here? Yeah. <laughs> According to Dr. Dweck, and I quote, praising children's intelligence, far from boosting their self-esteem, encourages them to embrace self-defeating behaviors such as worrying about failure and avoiding risks. However, when children are taught the value of concentrating, strategizing, and working hard when dealing with academic challenges, this encourages them to sustain their motivation, performance, and self-esteem. End quote. So basically, kids told they were smart attributed success to part of them, became part of their ego, part of their self-identity. Whereas kids told they were hardworking attributed success to effort. In the former case, failure means that they're dumb. In the latter case, failure means that they didn't try hard enough.
1: Okay, yeah. And I like this ideology a lot. I was going to also say that there is a psychological phenomenon I know of where if someone does not believe themselves to be enough on like a subconscious level, if you tell them they are great and they are amazing they will self-sabotage in order to prove themselves right and prove you wrong. And it's totally a subconscious thing that people do if they feel like they're not good enough or not worthy. And so that compliment of being smart, I think, gets into people's heads, as you said, because it's part of their ego. And maybe if they don't think of themselves as being quote-unquote smart they get into their heads and they're like, Oh, I'm not smart. Therefore, you know, I'm going to make sure this test doesn't go like as well, or I'm going to freak out about how this test is going to go because I don't believe what this person just said to me about me being smart. Yeah. So I know that that is a phenomenon that happens with people as well. This kind of like proving wrong. But what did you think about that? Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's also a psychological theory called external versus uh, internal locus of control. And basically all that means is that people who have an external locus of control believe that external factors like luck or the state of the economy or whatever, insert reason here, is responsible for their failures or their successes. Whereas people with an internal locus of control believe that there's some aspect of their personality or their hard work, or what have you, that they attribute to success or failure. So, I mean, what I got from that study was basically kids who thought they were, who were told they were smart, had an external locus of control. Because you can't can't choose who your parents are. You can't choose who fucks and gives you genetics. (laughs) You know, like, who gives you the smart gene, quote, unquote. You can't control what traits you're born with. Whereas kids with an internal locus of control, kids who were told they were hardworking, believed that it was their hard work or lack of hard work. So something that they could control that was internal that attributed to their success.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, you also, I mean, you can't control who calls you smart as well. I feel like just out in the world, there are all kinds of these outside opinions of you as a person. And I think that that tends to get in our heads. So, I basically, an internal control locus is something that is, like, a better thing to have. Would you say that that's true?
0: I mean, I think it depends on the circumstances, right? I think uh-huh. that sometimes external circumstances really do determine your success or failure. Like, yeah. for example, when the economy is shit, um,
1: yeah. it's
0: not your fault, necessarily, that you're unemployed. It just means that, you know, maybe the jobs that you're qualified for aren't available um, yes. Whereas if you have an internal locus of control, you might internalize that and be like, well, the reason I didn't get the job is because I'm dumb or I didn't work hard enough. So I think it depends. I think you have to be realistic. But I believe that when you do have an external locus of control, it can be difficult because you feel like you're not in control of your life. You feel that outside circumstances control how your life is going.
1: Yeah, astrology, Mercury retrograde.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All exactly. This yeah. is like <laughs> what we're in right
1: now. Like, yeah. um, everyone just feels out of control. Whereas, if you were to kind of just write that off for yourself and be like, just for Mercury retrogrades, that's a hark of baloney, <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, I think that we would all feel a little bit more in control if we reject certain things. But yeah, I think that's very true because sometimes you are stuck in traffic and you would have been on time, but traffic happens and that was out of your control. So there are, I think, plenty of ways that that can can happen. Sometimes, as you said about the economy, you're saddled with thousands of dollars of student debt, debt,
0: debt.
1: Um, and that is definitely, I mean, out of your control. I mean, there's always the conservative argument of like, well, you chose to go to that school. Like you chose to do that to yourself. But it's like you're also like 18 and an idiot.
0: So, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're 18. You're basically a couple years away from shitting your pants and being in diapers and they're like, yeah. "Hey, do you Thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars in student debt. You're like, okay. <laughs>
1: yeah. If that's what everybody else did, sure. Yeah. yeah. And on top of that, it is a pressure, not only from society, but also, you know, from our parents. But my own personal baggage aside, <laughs> I <laughs> think that, um, yeah, I think that that is something great to think about in terms of art and in terms of talent. I yeah. grew up with a lot of people. I mean, <laughs> Not to brag, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> you you grow up with people when you're interested in art, you you are trying to figure out where your interests lie, and I think artists, even sometimes more so than people who just fall into sports, get told they're talented. I think that that kind of permeates with them. It's kind of an isolating thing to be told, and so- I think that it contributes maybe to the culture of artists as these lone wolves and yeah. singling them out
0: yeah and it's out of your control right it goes back to being told you're smart versus being told that you're hard working yeah. when you say someone is talented you're basically saying the equivalent of oh you're smart this is just something you were born with right and it's really invalidating in a way because art is really it boils down to a lot of hard work a lot of study a lot of drive you know drive. going back to that you that you began with so you know one is some nebulous internal magic quality and the other is about hard work and effort and effort can be done by anybody yeah and I can't fucking emphasize that enough anybody anybody I don't care if you're two years old or 200 years old you can do it I'm 100 um,
1: <laughs> I'm not <hungry>. right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think
1: that <laughs> I, yeah, I think that drive is such a huge factor. You know, at the time that I was being told a lot that I was talented, it was because I was the quote unquote artist of the family, and it's also because it's all I fucking did. Like, I got home and I drew and I drew seven days a week. And, you know, if I'm being honest, in my adult life, I am told so much less often that I am quote unquote talented. And that's not to say that people are instead being like, you're so skilled, because that would, in my opinion, be a nicer word to use that I feel like equates my level of work that I put in to my results. But for people to say I... When people were saying that I was talented, it really was because I was doing that thing like seven days a week. Now Mm -hmm. I feel like I don't get told any of that as much because uh, habitually, I don't have the time to be dedicating to drawing as much, you know, I would get off out of school at 4pm, and I'd have that entire night to eat some din-dins, maybe watch a TV show. But I took that time to draw. I took the weekends to draw. It's really all I did. And I think that if anyone had the habits that I had during that really kind of regular and comfortable phase in my life, they would turn out just as skilled and probably be told they were talented just as often. And if I were keeping up with that habit as much as I was, I'd probably get told you know the same amount.
0: If you apply the same logic of yeah. like, oh, I wish I was as talented as you to like other professions, it would sound ridiculous, right? Oh, it's yeah. like, oh, I wish I had the the talent to become a lawyer. Or I wish I was a lawyer, but you know, I gave up studying. It's like you're not born a lawyer or yeah. a doctor. I you wish I had
1: the talent for- to be a restaurant manager. Yeah. Like you're so talented. <laughs> like girl. You go to
0: school for 800 years and then yeah. you become a lawyer or a doctor. And it's a result of dedication, hard work and study. Yeah. But I feel, you know, part of that might tie into the fact that art isn't as valued in our society. And it's very misunderstood.
1: It is so no. elusive. It's not taught everywhere. So people don't have an education or even personal experience with art to be able to know what goes into it. There's just a massive misunderstanding of what art is and how it happens and how it gets created.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I have a bunch of human anatomy books and animal anatomy books and all of these you know biological books. And I was explaining to my mother recently, like, and, and showing her everything that I have. And she was like, oh, my God, like, I didn't know that all of this went into art. People, I think, just Damn. think that it poops out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, you're just suddenly somehow born with, like, knowledge of human anatomy and color. Right. And color theory and everything. It's just wild.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, my boss, actually, another thing I learned from her just recently... She went to school for 3D modeling and sculpted and ZBrush and all of this stuff, which is like not something I would really peg her to do. I just was like, I it, I didn't think it was part of her maybe interest level. So I asked her a few questions about it and she said that it actually taught her a lot about two dimensional things and anatomy, like sculpting. Mm-hmm. You need to do it truly from like the ground up. She's like, yeah, I know exactly how many teeth are in the skull and things like that. And like to sculpt something, need to know so much about human anatomy. And it taught her about art. So now she has that knowledge to apply to her two dimensional work, which I thought was really cool and definitely a unique way to learn anatomy. But yeah, that type of stuff, that type of knowledge is absolutely not born like (laughs) the reason why a lot of painters even knew a lot of that stuff talking like renaissance era is because they were starting to understand the body they were working a lot from observation and um yeah they were cutting people open
0: (laughs) illegally by the way
1: yeah 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 so they that that didn't come out of nowhere they whatever they
0: risked the law yeah in order Learn human anatomy. Yeah, that's in just order... wild to me.
1: Oh yeah, in order to be like, this is where the nipple goes. They had
0: yeah. to <laughs> now we just Google that shit. Yeah. Like it's so easy. It's yeah. so easy.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I think the maybe the the ease of it contributes to people becoming good at it quickly, and then the people around them not understanding that, and then resorting to calling them talented because it right. feels like something com- completely out of nowhere. But it usually is not. It's from observation. But there are some some freaks that are <laughs> born with like photographic memories. Like we cannot discount that. Like if I'm looking at Kim Jong Gi, for example, it's just like okay, like not yeah, even, everyone. Yeah,
0: even Kim Jong Gi. I, I was watching a interview with him and him kind of going through his process. And the reason that he's able to draw so many things from memory is that he draws so many things he studies reality from all different angles
1: yeah and And he's drawing constantly
0: yeah constantly and he's built up this visual library in his head which is something we can get to later but essentially when you draw something enough times it's just it becomes muscle memory
1: absolutely yeah and i've also read that he's he has said that his greatest skill is not drawing it is actually observation So I think that that is a, a cool thing to take into account too, is that art has also been defined as visual intelligence. So it's intelligence made visual basically. So that I think is a great definition to keep in mind. It's like, even in design, it's like, if you're just deciding where something is, is going to go on a page or something like that, what will make that attractive is your knowledge of the design principles made visual.
0: That is so cool. I love that definition.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I learned that a while ago and I definitely keep it in my back pocket because I learned it's a cool thing to look at no matter where you are or what you're doing in your life as something that can help you with what you are on track to do or what you want to do. Because when I was in high school, I took a visual communications class and I could like For two years, it was very intensive. And I could have very easily just been like, this isn't relevant. This is graphic design. It doesn't relate to (laughs) illustration. But I applied graphic design principles into my illustrations. And I think that people can see that in my work, kind of,
0: you know? Oh, totally. I mean, design is ultimately about composition. It's about visual hierarchy. Totally. It's about, you know, that just meaning the more important information should be bolder. Yeah, larger in a part of the page that your eye is naturally drawn to. And all of that can be applied to painting or illustration. I mean, I, um like the example you gave earlier of your boss doing ZBrush, I actually did the same thing. And I found that after I did a ZBrush class, like my drawing skills just skyrocketed because I learned where everything went and yeah. I could, you know, mentally rotate the skull in my head from all the anatomy studies I've done, I don't think anything is wasted. All your experiences can be put forth towards your art. And I think it's really important, for example, if you're a concept artist, look at photography, look at fashion sketches, look at classical painters. Mm. You can glean information and inspiration from everything.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, And when you're a concept artist, for example, just looking at concept art, I feel like you don't really grow because everything you're looking at comes from the same pool of inspiration and eventually becomes a little derivative.
1: Yes. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, because then you're not really like looking outside the box. You're just combining things in a genre that already exists. But I think another topic to kind of get into that's like related to this one is the concept of judgment and how that can be harmful to an artist in general i recently had an experience at the school that i work at where this kid was just totally shut down and i went up and asked her about it and she was like well i just don't think i'm good at art i shouldn't do anything in art i'm not good at it i should just quit and she hadn't really even worked on anything that day and just was just totally stricken by fear and really putting the knowledge that We have about talent versus skill to use. Like I didn't know that I had that knowledge in me because that kind of stuff freezes me up sometimes too. But I was able to like walk her back from this ledge that she was on by telling her to let go of her judgments of it she was literally working on thumbnails. So it's not like it even needed to be good in the first place. She was like sketching just her ideas and just thinking it had to be this masterpiece. And I looked at what she'd already created and they were just these straight lines that were the panels of the comic that she was working on. And then within those straight lines, there were these dummy characters that she was eventually going to go over and make into characters that were made out of like perfect circles and ovals, literally using the shape tool, like not even using a brush or freehand drawing or anything like that. So keeping that in mind, I was like, okay, I feel like the judgment that you have over on your work is even showing in what you made. And- What we can do, and I just made a new layer for her, just lowered the opacity of her very, like, kind of rigid design that she was working on, and I drew the sloppiest square over one of her panels. <laughs> and I said, so your job for the rest of the class is, I said, I'm going to draw one thing on your on your paper. Normally, that's not a rule I like to break. I don't like to draw on people's art for them. But yeah, I'm going to draw this square for you. And your job for the rest of class is to create your idea, but emulate this style of line that I have just created for you in your drawings for the rest of the page. So basically create a piece of shit. <laughs> just like create garbage. I, what I was asking her to do um, because that is so much better. Like creating something bad is so much better than just not having done it.
0: Yeah. And yeah. I mean, we're going, it's so crazy. Cause even though we just talked about judging art, saying yeah. something good versus bad, it's just so ingrained in us that it comes out.
1: Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: You know, in Buddhism, there's this core principle that suffering is created by expectation. Mm -hmm. And that is so true in art. I mean, it's true in life in general, true in everything, but particularly in art, I feel like, you know, it's not the process of creation that's painful. It is when you have an expectation of what it should look like and you measure what you're doing against that expectation and it falls short of the expectation. That's what creates pain.
1: Yeah. Yeah. God, I feel like, and I feel like the reason why art is so closely associated with suffering, which is a whole nother concept (laughs) we'll probably get into in another episode, um, is because of that. I think it's because people come to art with a, a picture in their minds. Because as humans, we have this ability that's a gift and a curse to visualize things. And that I think creates expectation. And for me, Like I get so excited and I am like, ooh, like I'm a good artist because I can pretty much directly translate what the vision that I have in my head. And that's what I'm always working towards. And it's not a great or healthy goal. Like a lot of times I kind of have to slow myself down and be like, well, that was my idea and this is what I actually created. So I have to go with what's in reality, you know?
0: Yeah. And I think it can be so limiting to just chase after what's in your head. Yeah. Like I know for for painting, at least for me, whenever I paint, there's so much spontaneity that goes into it. And if I were to just go with the image in my head, I would miss out on so much like improv, you know, turning a mistake, quote unquote, into a new part of the piece yes. or turning this weirdly mixed color into, wow, I really like it. Let me make it the entire color scheme. You need to be able and willing to kind of deviate from your original vision and go down different routes
1: yeah that's why it's worthwhile and like and that's why people do it you know i think that it's the surprising factor it wouldn't be engaging if it wasn't like you try to do something and you either hit or miss it that's why people have been playing golf for that you know forever <laughs> like that's why people play any sport is like, is it gonna go in the hole is it gonna get in the goal or is it gonna miss Am I gonna get her <laughs> pregnant this time?
0: Like, is <laughs> my pull-out game fast enough? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know.
1: like that's. But that's why people do anything is because it's like it's it's like a win or lose. So I think it's part of the appeal. But the thing that makes it interesting or worthwhile is the how, and it's like how you get to whatever you finish and maybe the idea in your head isn't the best idea maybe the concept that you have would look better a different way maybe someone enlightens you about that once you put your quote-unquote idea down on paper and someone's like i think it would look better this way and you're like oh shit you're right but i yeah if i was if i was so like into my own ego or my own idea i wouldn't listen to that you know and then maybe not make worthwhile work so it's always good to be open
0: yeah totally i mean and that's why iterations are so important right and that's why getting attached to a particular vision in your head is so important because like you said maybe the first image that you create or maybe the initial image you have in your head isn't going to be the best image
1: yeah absolutely yeah i think we should all let go of what things quote unquote should be and move forward with an open mind not being too judgmental and yeah something that i think about a lot too is something that i heard in school which is like create bad drawings that's something our (laughs) professor lo used to say he would always be like draw badly just do it like nike af just like just draw like i don't care if it's good he would do something at 4 p.m he would like he would draw every day at 4 p.m and it didn't matter if it was good or or what, but he had a daily practice, which I
0: admire,
1: and God willing, I want to get there.
0: I know, that was one of my resolutions for this year, is just draw every day. Do something creative every day.
1: Yes, I think I can hold to that better than draw, because... The older I've gotten, the more I've realized that my passion lies in art and not just drawing. So I really like to keep it interesting for myself. Whereas, like I've discovered video, I've discovered design, I've discovered all these different types of art making, and I like them all. And if I can keep it interesting and keep it popping for myself, then it's gonna keep going. Yeah, you need
0: cayenne in your life, Mm. Mm. little jalapeno. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. love that love that and it's so crazy once you let go of expectation you open yourself up to so many positive things whereas if you are bound to expectation not only of yourself but of your artwork you end up with something i like to call a triangle of shit oh which is procrastination perfectionism and I, I, Sorry, I couldn't find another P word But <laughs> just Painless. Feeling like a failure
1: <laughs> No, I love so, uh,
0: this Yeah, the, the triangle of shit is not good Just so you know, you're not alone This is a very, very, very common problem So I have the uh, Gifted child burnout syndrome
1: Oh no Where
0: I was <laughs> I grew up being told, you know you're so talented, which was totally well-intentioned, right?
1: A lot of but us grew back... up with that gifted thing. Yeah. yeah,
0: totally, totally. You know, I was treated differently. I was put into different classes. I was praised. There were really, really high expectations of me. And far from making me a confident person, I became an anxious fucking mess because <laughs> I always feel like I have to prove something. And Mm -hmm. when I fail in my head, it means I'm not smart and I'm not talented and I'm a fraud because failure means my identity is in question. So I end up procrastinating. It's natural. We all do it. But in my case, I procrastinate to protect my ego, protect my sense of self. Because if yeah. I wait till last minute, it's okay if I fail or isn't to my standard because I didn't have enough time. Trademark. Uh huh. <laughs> so it's not a reflection on me. It's a reflection on oh, I didn't have enough time. Except it totally is a reflection on me because that was a choice I made to procrastinate to the last mm. second. Damn. Um.
1: That was. Harsh. And then I
0: have you know the the. <laughs> <laughs> awful habit of perfectionism Mm -hmm. you know i set impossible standards for myself because i want to prove that i'm quote-unquote smart and quote-unquote talented and live up to this gifted kid identity right and so in the past this really really shaped me it completely changed how i acted presented myself and worked and even now i'm constantly comparing myself to others i'm constantly preoccupied with like oh this person got this job or oh, this person is at this level of drawing or this level of painting and I'm not there yet. And it's just really miserable because it takes away from the joy of creation.
1: And And the joy of being yourself like on a deeper level too. I also am confronted with that too. I feel like a lot of this relates to my habit of being late. And I feel like it's like the self fulfilling prophecy of not feeling good enough and being in control. So I think that I often show up late to be in control. But it's a bad habit that just comes from being like, Oh, well, I'm not you and you're on time. So I have to be different. (laughs) So yeah, the perfectionism and being like other people and seeing how other people are and how they take pride in their habits you know can make you sometimes not take pride in yours so i i get that but i think you know there's so much that comes with owning you and your interests and you are not that other person you know that yeah. you might put on a pedestal
0: yeah. like last episode we talked about staying weird <laughs> being yourself yeah hey eh? Um, And how that brings bounty and opportunity rather than comparing yourself to other people and trying to be somebody else.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, so true. So what would you say that failure means to you?
0: I mean, to me, again, because I was told, no, I'm talented, I'm smart, I'm whatever. Failure to me means that all of those things are wrong. And that I'm not actually talented, I'm not actually smart, I'm not actually what people said of me. Which so, are
1: judgments, which are judgments on you as a person, judgments on your character. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's completely on the inside because nobody, 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 nobody has ever been like, whoa, you you didn't get an A on that project, so you must not be smart and talented. That's just the voice in my head. Yeah. Being shitty things about myself. And it sucks because this fear of failure has prevented me from just growing as an artist and practicing every day. Because when I'm so fixated on making a good piece, I'm not focusing on just making, just creating. Just yeah. doing studies, just being okay with not living up to the expectation in my head. In fact, fuck expectations. Literally, fuck them. They suck. Yeah. They fucking suck. The only expectation that you have should be that you're going to pick up a pencil and draw.
1: Yes. Amen. I love that. I think, so not to confuse people in terms of what we were saying about stuff being on the inside I want to like separate that from the like psychological idea that we were talking about earlier about what is it locus
0: yeah internal versus external locus control
1: yeah I think that idea is is interesting but to uh, to make it more clear can you say it one more time
0: Uh, internal versus external locus
1: yeah because it's cool it's something I feel like I learned
0: yeah yeah I really I really like that theory a lot and it's personally helped me a lot
1: so it is where if your locus of control is internal it means that you believe that you just have to work harder in order to achieve what you want to achieve. And it has nothing to do maybe with like the universe, like how girls <laughs> it, or how anyone is just like. I'm
0: it, a Sagittarius Leo um, like crystal universe told me. tree and the universe told me to kill someone, but it's okay <laughs> because Mars is in retrograde. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. But that is external locus of control is like the universe has just been telling me to like go to yoga class. So I did. And then I stubbed my toe and it's like all the universes fall. So yeah, getting like having a clear understanding of that is like super helpful because I just I just love that concept and want to separate it also from the idea of like external and internal voices, which are a different thing. You know, that being said, I feel like there's so much that we can go into about judgment and uh these other topics other like psychological ideas perfectionism imposter syndrome all of that but i feel that that has a lot to do with this topic of being the chosen one so Mm -hmm. but we'll probably save that for other episodes just because i feel like we put a good pin in this one
0: Yeah, yeah yeah and i just wanted to close end with something About internal versus external voices. External voices meaning the people who told you you were smart or talented or whatever. Mm -hmm. You cannot control what people say about you.
1: Yeah. Amen. The
0: only thing you can control is what you say about yourself. So you need to cultivate an inner beautiful garden.
1: Yes. And that being said, I feel like the more you say good things about yourself, or positive things about yourself, the more that those things manifest and the more that you also hear it from the outside, too. So, like, if you say to yourself, like, you're a good person or something like that, you will act in that way and then other people will tell it to you. And it will reinforce that idea because there will always be some level of power given to other people's words no matter how much you try to shut them out yeah it's always i feel like something that affects us yeah um, i mean can't. we're
0: social creatures we want to fit in yeah we want to fit into that tribe and not be kicked out and eaten by a saber-toothed tigers. so
1: yes but the honestly the way that you get other people to do that and to say those things is by surprising them And by doing whatever things that you want to hear, like maybe you are smart or whatever, maybe you're not smart in the same way that the person who you want to tell you is smart is. You know, maybe you're you're not smart in the same way and you can impress them in a different way. The key is never to emulate someone else or try to be someone else. The key is to be yourself and then those people will in turn tell you the things about you that um that you are longing to hear
0: yeah and if they don't and if they criticize you get them the fuck out of your life
1: yeah that is called toxicity people (laughs) (laughs) cool well thank you guys for listening today gato is there anything else you wanted to add
0: oh no i think that just about covered it so thanks for listening guys until next time
1: we will see you next time. And in the next episode, we are going to be talking about practice making progress. So basically the idea that we practice our way to getting better. Yes, we will see.
0: All right. See you next time, guys. Have a great one.